Good morning, everyone. Actually, let's, let's, we'll do this. I used to do this with my elementary students. You're going to be elementary teachers. I'd say good morning, class, and they'd say good morning, Mr. Fryer. Except you can say good morning, Wes. So ready? Go. Good morning, class. Good morning, Wes. All right. It's great to be here today. I'm delighted it's fall. Um, I was just mentioning that in Shanghai, it was so hot and humid. And this is a, a total aside, but I um, put a bunch of pictures from Flickr on my uh, Flickr account of my trip and I did not ever really know what the World Expo was but it's like the World's Fair and so I'm trying to bring up my Flickr site and I didn't bookmark it um, On Flickr, you can, in addition, we're going to talk about avatars today, so that's my wild self that I made. Um, you, you can go to collections, which are uh, groups of, of sets of images. And so under collections, I've got a collection for um, all the China pictures that I took. So there are four different sets. And um, the, the World Expo is, is just amazing. I mean, China, I don't know how many millions of dollars China spent on theirs. I spent three hours just, um, well, an hour and a half waiting to get in to the China Pavilion. And then once I was in it, I was there an hour and a half. And uh, it, was, it was really amazing. But anyway, after having been in heat and, you know, lots of, lots of sweating in line with lots of people, I'm delighted that fall is here. So um, today we're going to have our first presentations and so I'm going to try and not talk as much because we got to get, get to our uh, first Pecha Kucha presentations. Please make sure that you submit your attendance and we're going to start with a video and this is a video that I actually just learned about yesterday and it's called Where Good Ideas Come From and there's a fellow Stephen Johnson who's actually written a book by this title and I really like this digital storytelling technique because it's drawing that they've accelerated and then he put his voice over the top of it so it's low tech because it's drawing but it's tech since you know it's a it's like a stop motion effect basically for the past five years I've been investigating this question of where good ideas come from it's the kind of problem I think all of us are intrinsically interested in. We want to be more creative. We want to come up with better ideas. We want our organizations to be more innovative. I've looked at this problem from an environmental perspective. What are the spaces that have historically led to unusual rates of creativity and innovation? And what I've found in all of these systems, there are these recurring patterns that you see again and again that are crucial to creating environments that are unusually innovative. One pattern I call the slow hunch, that breakthrough ideas almost never come in a moment of great insight and a sudden stroke of inspiration. Most important ideas take a long time to evolve, and they spend a long time dormant in the background. It isn't until the idea has had two or three years, sometimes 10 or 20 years, to ensure that it suddenly becomes successful to you and useful to you in a certain way. And this is partially because Good ideas normally come from the collision between smaller hunches so that they form something bigger than themselves. So you see a lot in the history of innovation cases of, of someone who has half of an idea. There's a great story about the invention of the World Wide Web in Tim Berners-Lee. This is a project that Berners-Lee worked on for 10 years. But when he started, 
He didn't have a full vision for this new medium he was going to invent. He started working on one project as a side project to help him organize his own data. He scrapped that after a couple of years, and he started working on another thing. And only after about 10 years of his full vision of the World Wide Web coming to being. That is, more often than not, how ideas happen. They need time to incubate, and they spend a lot of time in this partial hunch form. The other thing that's important when you think about ideas this way is that when ideas take form in this hunch state, they need to collide with other hunches. Oftentimes, the thing that turns a you know, hunch into a real breakthrough is another hunch that's lurking in somebody else's mind. And you have to figure out a way to create systems that allow those hunches to come together and turn into something bigger than the sum of their parts. That's why, for instance, the coffee house in the age of the Enlightenment or the Parisian salons of, of modernism were such engines of creativity because they created a space where ideas could mingle and swap and create new forms. When you look at the problem of innovation from this perspective, it sheds a lot of important light on the debate we've been having recently about what the internet is doing to our brains. Are we getting overwhelmed with an always connected multitasking lifestyle? And is that going to lead to less sophisticated thoughts as we move away from the slower, deeper, contemplative state of reading, for instance? Obviously, I'm a big fan of reading. But I think it's important to remember that the great driver of scientific innovation and technological innovation has been the historic increase in connectivity and our ability to reach out and exchange ideas with other people and to borrow other people's hunches and combine them with our hunches and turn them into something new. That really has, I think, been, more than anything else, the primary engine of creativity and innovation over the last 600 or 700 years. And so, yes, it's true we're more distracted. But what has happened that is really miraculous and marvelous over the last 15 years is that we have so many new ways to connect and so many new ways to reach out and find other people who have that missing piece that will complete the idea we're working on or to stumble serendipitously across some amazing new piece of information that we can use to build and improve our own ideas. That's the real lesson of where good ideas come from, that chance favors the connected mind. All right, so I like that last quote. Chance favors the, the connected mind. Um, I'm going to give you about a minute and a half to talk with your neighbor and uh, visit about that video, both what that means for your classroom, if you want to encourage creativity, and maybe just that digital storytelling technique, too, of drawing and having that uh, stop-motion technique. So take about a minute and a half and chat with somebody about that. What do you think? Do you? Have you ever done any before? Or? Have I done any? Absolutely. Really? Not like that, but I've done stop motion before with Legos and with um, clay, any kind of thing. You basically get your camera still and, and you just take repeated pictures and move stuff in the scene. You know, Maybe. I don't think I well, No, no, it does. It does. Yeah, you can do it with any camera you, uh, because you, you have to keep the camera still and just take repeated pictures. And then you do have software. iMovie can do it. Um, it would be a good thing for us to talk about in our class. Since it's not built in the syllabus, maybe that's something I can put in a little later because there's free software. I've done uh, week-long camps for kids, like doing like Lincoln Log digital stories and 
Lego ones. Yeah. They're, they take a long time to do. I mean, exactly. I would like to know how much time, it, you know, it actually took to do the drawing. And record the voice in like two minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me think of how important food is um, for sharing, like, people that, you know, have, a, when, like, coffee shops and, you know, places that you have to basically mingle and be able to share ideas. Okay, on our uh, handout, or well, not our handout, on our course portal, um, we had our back channels for last week, for Monday, and um, if you want to, again, if you're on the east side of the room, you can do back channel one, and if you're on the west side of the room, you can do back channel two. Um, go ahead and erase some of this. Go ahead and use the um, bottom of the back channel to put in, um, we'll say, responses to um, where good ideas come from. Anybody want to share something out loud? Megan and I were talking just about stop motion and how fun it is and how much time it takes. Has anybody done stop motion before? Have you ever created one? So I don't have that built in. It takes a lot of time. It really needs a tripod and a camera and just keep the camera still and you take repeated pictures, but then you just display the images um, you know, over and over. And, and um, the I've, I've taught week-long camps on stop motion at, at fine arts camps. This is free software that Tufts University created called SAM Animation, just samanimation.com. It's a free program that runs on Mac and Windows, and basically it just takes your still pictures, puts them together, and then you decide how many you want shown in a second. Does anybody know what full-frame video is, like when you're just watching TV or watching the movie? How many frames are there per second? Do you know? A lot, yeah. You know, like approximately how many? No, it's not that many. Um, in order to create the illusion of motion, which has got to be a certain speed, and it's actually about 30 frames per second. I think it's like 29.97 or something, but 30. So if you are half speed, you're at 15 frames per second. If you're you know, quarter speed, you're 7 or 8 frames per second. I mean, that's how many frames for each second that it's on. Think about this. When Star Wars was first made, they didn't have advanced ways to do lightsabers, so they had special effects guys that literally painted on top of each frame of the film where the lightsaber was. That's, that's how they did that. So that was really time intensive. Now there's fancier and faster ways to do that. So, Anybody else have a thought or a comment about either the digital storytelling technique or the idea about that Stephen was talking about as far as collaboration. Come on, someone be brave. I'm not going to bite you. No one's going to bite you. This is called wait time. It's really painful sometimes. Usually instructors don't do enough of it. So somebody will share
if I had my way, we would actually meet first in a like circle in a room without rows and computers because it's very challenging to have a class feel and a community feel when everybody's behind their screens or rows and stuff. But come on, somebody share a response, just a thought. Yep. That allow those hunches to come. And a lot of times people mistake creativity for that thing. They think, oh, they got struck by lightning. You know, Woo, brand new idea. But usually, for me, definitely, it's when I hear this and I hear this and I kind of put it together, and that that's how creativity works. Have you ever? Do you have an example of that where you can think of? Or does anybody have an example of where they've had they've had that happen or? They've, they've this idea of a slow hunch where you've kind of ruminated on something for a long time. Right. Yeah. And that's the power of, of being able to get together. So uh, one of the, I mean, the way that I heard about this particular. Um, resource was I use a tool called friendfeed.com and um, friendfeed aggregates different things that people are sharing. So I use Google Reader and I um, share things that I read there. I use Flickr. I use my blog. So like 11 different sites that I use, all that stuff gets shared into friendfeed. And so you can subscribe to other people who are also sharing things and I just had my computer on yesterday and I happened to see Liz Davis who lives up in the Boston area and she had shared that. But these are things that lots of different people who I'm subscribed to are sharing right now. So this, this is a way, this, one of the coolest things about technology today is you know, when I started to teach in the mid-90s, I was really blessed to have a great teacher next door and a great teacher across the hall, and they helped me out, they taught me a lot, and hopefully you'll have that same experience when you get your first teaching job. But we are no longer limited to just being influenced by the people we have physical access to or the people we get letters from. You know, this kind of ability to be influenced by others is really a powerful part of social networking and um, the face-to-face is, is very important, too. And like you said, for a group project, I mean, there's some energy when you get together and you're sharing and talking and it's all and it's synchronous together. But there's a lot of power also in being able to do things electronically. And there's also power, just like we are today with our Etherpad, in asking folks to share things in an asynchronous, text-based environment where you're not having to say it out loud and you're not having to be in front of the class and take that risk. A lot of times that's how we limit sharing in class is who wants to raise their hand and who wants to say it in front of everybody. And there's a lot of ideas that people have that for whatever reason they're not going to share in that, in that format. And also, good ideas don't always happen right when the teacher says, hey, who's got a response? You know, who's got a thought? That may be something that comes later. So um, before we do our Pechacuches, I want to um, do the app share. And the reason I want to do this is um, actually I've linked an article on our page for today called The Web is Dead. And Wired Magazine is a magazine that I I actually do subscribe to the paper version. But um, it's 
mostly available online too. And this article in the August issue by Chris Anderson is basically talking about this graph. And this graph is showing time on the bottom, a 1990 on the left, the middle is 2000, and 2010 is on the right. So this is a 20-year period of time. And what you see in red at the bottom, this is a bandwidth graph showing the amount of packets, the, the, the things that are going across the Internet. In that video we just saw, he mentioned Tim Berners-Lee, who invented the, inter, the, the hyperlink and, and was helping create the Internet um, and to invent, I think he invented the graphical browser. He invented um, Mosaic, which allowed us to navigate the Internet with pictures instead of with text. When the Internet was starting, it took off and a lot of the content was on the web. But what's happening now is the majority of, of packets that are transversing the web, and that's how it works. There's little packets, little pieces of information. That's why a web page loads bit by bit because the packets come uh, separately. The, major, the, the majority of those now are not on the, on, the, on the web. We're looking at a web page and it runs on the internet, but there's lots of things that run on the internet. Does anybody have Netflix and watch movies on Netflix? Um, anybody do Hulu? Hulu Plus is now available. I just read this week that the Roku player, which is a little box that you can hook up to your TV, costs $60. Hulu Plus is coming and it has you know, recorded television shows, so if you don't catch them live or you don't have a recorder, all of that stuff, Skype, all the stuff that's on iPhones and Android phones, that's not the web. It's stuff that's going over here on the, on the separate part. And I really believe, and I could be wrong, but I really think that when you're in your classrooms, um, and what's the soonest somebody's going to be applying for a job? How soon will that be? Is anybody going to be applying uh, in a year? Are we two years off, three years? About two? Okay. I really think that apps and devices like this are going to be a lot more prevalent um, even than laptops and stuff like that in school. So it's important to talk about apps. So the app share that I neglected to share last time, but I had linked on here, was a little program that's called StoryKit. And... Huh. Okay, I guess I went... I went to this blog post. This is an example of a StoryKit story which I created um, on my iPhone uh, last Sunday when I was in China and we rode this train um, and I'll show you how I did this. You just take a picture, you can record audio and you um, can put a text on it. So here's the audio. This is a photograph taken outside our high-speed train which we're actually on right now as we return from our trip from Chuzhou and Gail you know, just saw that we were going about 284 kilometers an hour. Would you take it off that? 176 miles an hour. So we are seeing the countryside with by us, and it only took about 30 minutes to make this trip from the South train station in Shanghai to Chuzhou's train station. It's incredible to be able to travel this fast and have it be this smooth, no rickety back and forth in your head, not back and forth, no belching smoke from the coal fire engine. <laughs> system. And I think they're bringing the food cart, so here come the chocolate frogs. <laughs> Alright, so, you know, one of the things about taking a trip is you'll remember so much right then when you've taken the trip, and then 
take a month or two months and you forget a lot of stuff. So it's a lot of value in recording things and not just taking pictures. One of the things that's very cool, this, we went to Shuzhou, which is outside Shanghai. Shanghai is about 22 million people. Shuzhou, I think, has about 6 million. Um, the city has been a part of the Silk Road kind of forever. I mean, maybe 5,000 years. We saw a pagoda that's over 1,000 years old. We um, went up in this one, which has been reconstructed. It's called the Basie Pagoda. It was 11 stories high. Um, I thought it was interesting because there was a swastika here on this Buddha. The swastika has a long history before Adolf Hitler took it, and it's in in different cultures. Um, You can actually record more than one voice. So I could click on this and hear my voice, but Chris Betcher, who's from, well, I'll let you guess where he's from. Yes, yeah, so this was the sign that I didn't heed uh, because as I was getting out of the boat. Well, this one should have been on the boat, it wasn't, because uh, I did knock my head quite hard. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I would like that sign to have been in more places. So, guesses where he's from? Yeah, from Australia. So, um, but very cool, very neat, and this is a free app from a place called the uh, International. Children's Library and the International Children's Digital Library. So I'm going to flip over real quick to my laptop and I've connected my iPhone over here and just to show you how this works. So StoryKit is an app that you have to download but it allows you to put together what you just saw right on your device. So this is the story, the story kit that we just saw. This is all the, the pictures and everything that's in it. I could click read, and I can uh, read through this, and I can click play. Oh, this is West. And it'll play it here on my device. So this is a way to actually have a little digital book right here on my device. If I click edit, then I can come down and add a new page. So I'll say create a new page. And at the bottom, it has choices to let me add pictures. I can take a picture now, add a picture from my library. So I'm going to click that second button and add a picture from my library. So here's a camera roll. Here is my daughter, Rachel, at uh, brunch on Sunday. So and I'll delete this, obviously. This is just for demonstration effect. But I go ahead and bring this in. I can resize this. So I can pinch this, move it where I want to. I'll click the little A here and put text on. Rachel at Furs. We went to Furs Cafeteria. And then that text is here. I can't, you know, really change the size, the font, stuff like that. It's pretty basic, but I can center it, move it where I want. And then here at the bottom, I can um, put, uh, I can click record and then record some audio. This is Rachel when we were at Furs on Sunday. And so whatever I want to record, then I record there and that appears as a little icon. And I can move that wherever I want to on my um, little story. Um, I can also draw. So there's a paintbrush here in the corner. And so I choose what size I want my paintbrush to be. I choose the color that I want my paintbrush to be. And then I can paint with my finger and do whatever I would like here. Okay. Isn't that awesome? And then, when I'm done, I simply click this button, Share, and without logging in, without paying money, without having an account, that story 
gets put up on the International Children's Library website and you get a link that you can email to whoever you want. So that way you can put that on your class website, parents can see that, whatever. I really think this is cool. And I think there's a lot of, of, of ways that um, that story kit could, could be used not only for trips, but of course just to help uh, kids tell stories, tell books, right? We read The Three Little Pigs. Go ahead. Yep, and you don't even have to share it. You don't even have to put it online. It'll just be on your device. But you won't automatically put it. You have to click the share button, and then you do have to wait a while. And like I was in China, where the internet was slower to get back to North America, and if you have a lot of audio, and, and the more you know you have, the longer it takes to send it up to the internet. So it's up to you whether you want to share it or not. Mm-mm. Nope. It just it just shares it online. And if you want to make a change to it, there's no way to go back and edit your original. You just publish another one, and it gives you a different link. Um, and so you can send that. So it's going to send you like a text saying that this is your link to your story, and then you can email it to everyone else. Right. So and I yeah. And if I click share, it would actually go through the publishing process. But after it uploads, then it just um, gives you a, a link with email and uses your email account that you already have on your device and then sends it. So the iPod Touch, the newest one that came out, now has um, a phone on it, or not a phone, um, a, a camera. And that is a really big deal because, you know, it's expensive. It's like 35 bucks, I think, to basically activate a, an iPhone data plan. But the fact that this now has a camera on it and allows you to, you know, take, take mobile pictures and then put them on is, is really great. So that was StoryKit. Um, the other app that I want to share is uh, called Brushes. And Brushes is an app that's available both for the iPad and for the um, iPod Touch and the iPhone. So the fellow who's on the right is named Marco Torres. This is a picture in Maine. That, this is Bob Sprankle, who will probably uh, listen to some podcasts of his kids later in the year. But Marco was the California State Teacher of the Year a couple years ago. He is one of the most creative people you will ever meet or ever hear of before. He's the one that introduced me to this app called Brushes. And um, this is a mobile painting app. So while StoryKit has some really rudimentary ways to, to paint and draw, and it you know lets you record audio and do stuff like that, um, Brushes is a very advanced program. And if you Google for Marco's website, this is uh, his site, Learn to Lead, Push Creativity. He knows George Lucas personally. He's on his educational foundation. Um, you know, his kids at his high school in Los Angeles, one of them created music that actually, uh, because of connections Marco has, got picked up for the Batman soundtrack. And this is a very poor school. And this kid came to school in an Xterra that he bought because of the royalties that he made from the music that's in Batman. Um, just any time I have a chance to, to hear Marco or hang out with him, I learn lots of creative stuff. This link are all the, the pictures that Marco has drawn himself on his iPhone with brushes. So he actually drew me. This is me <laughs> by Marco. Um, I mean, somebody who has artistic talent, there's a lot of amazing things they can do. I don't really put myself in that category as far as, you know, being able to 
to, to draw very well. Uh, but all kinds of creative things that you can do. There have been some magazine covers that people have created using brushes. Actually, this is my friend Bob Sprinkle that uh, Marco uh, drew as well. So um, just all kinds of things. I mean, think about the power of that, being able to create like that and then being able to share. Is this one that was in the New Yorker magazine? Yes, I think it was. I think they used the... Um, Somebody used the app brushes to... Cool. If you, if you find that and you could put that on your blog, that would be cool. Or I'll, I'll try to look that up to share because creativity is really important. We've got to make stuff in order to be creative. Having a tool like that and then you know, being able to empower people to, to create is that's a good thing. So I wanted to share both of those, and normally I'm not going to do two app shares, but I was slow last week in not being able to share that, so I wanted to let you know about that. Brushes is a commercial app. I think it costs like $3 on the uh, iPhone. I think it's 10 bucks on the iPad, and um, StoryKit's free. It doesn't cost anything. All right. Well, we are going to do our Pecha Kucha presentations, and then we're going to talk about... Um, our, our own voice thread assignment that we're going to do, extend a little bit more some of the discussion we had last week. And I'm going to, um, as part of that, we're going to make avatars. And I'll show you some websites where you can do that. What we're going to do for our Pecha Kuchas is when the, when the person comes up who's going to present, what I'm going to ask you to do is on our website for class, there's a link that says online evaluation form. When you go to assignments, also here, and you go to Pecha Kucha, I've also linked it right here on number five. Use this online peer evaluation form. That might be easier to get to, but it, it's here on our class for 29 September, and it says online evaluation form, and this is just a Google form that I've created that we're going to use to do peer evaluation. So I'm going to want you to fill out one of these for each person, and then I'm going to provide this uh, evaluation information as long with my own to each person bless you but it's not going to have their, your name on it okay so you're going to select who's presenting um, so whoever wants to present first let's say Danielle's going to go first which she doesn't have to but when she goes you're going to type the, the subject or title of her presentation you're going to put your name this is the part I'm going to take out before I give it to Danielle alright so please you know, share openly. You're not going to, Danielle's not going to come back and get you and know, oh my gosh, look at what, you know, Mary wrote about my presentation because I'm going to take that out. But um, then there's several scales for you to evaluate. Um, image selection and quality, pacing and fluency, maintaining attention, the Pecha Kucha format, and remember they can either do 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Um, and then some blank places for feedback. Technical feedback, content feedback, um, ways to improve and something new that you learned. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time. Obviously, you know, these are going to go uh, pretty quick and there's a lot of fields that are in here. Um, but this idea of using a rubric to evaluate and then giving you all a chance to get feedback, all of you are going to get a lot more feedback as a result of us using this than, you know, if it was just me uh, writing the feedback. So anybody have a question about the feedback form? Okay. Would anybody volunteer to be our first? And, and I should have. I, you know what? I'm going to try and like bring some food and some other. I need. We need some prizes. Will you go first? Okay. 
And you are Liz? All right. Liz, do you have any questions before you get started? Okay. Um, we, are, we are recording our audio, um, and I'll just leave this on the table. Um, if you make some kind of an embarrassing mistake and you want us to take that out of the audio recording, we can do that. I really don't think there's probably a lot of people who are listening to our audio besides our class, but just like we've got people who are absent sometimes, it's basically a way to provide that opportunity to listen in if you've missed class. So, okay. are you ready? Yes. Do you want the live to be turned Sure. I'll do that and then you can just... Uh, I was really it's up to you. Yeah, that's fine. I just didn't know if it would be easier. Yeah, to it get probably shows up a little bit better. Okay. So. All right. Okay, so I did my trip to England. I love to travel, and so I thought, if you ever go to England, these are the places that I think you should go to. The first being the Tower Bridge in London. This is the famous bridge of London Bridge is falling down. This is it. You can pay lots of money to go under it if you wish, but you also get to see um, some really cool sites in London. So I'm definitely going to that. This is the Royal Yacht of Britannia. This is the um, ship um, that Queen Elizabeth and her family take um, to go on vacations. Um, it's like a mansion, but in a ship, and you can go in. It's super cool. You can't take pictures inside, hence why I'm only on the deck. Um, but they also have their honeymoons on the ship. So um, The Eye of London. Um, this, I went on it. It was kind of cool. <laughs> Um, but you do get to see a lot of sites. It's $20 American money per person, and you stand and it takes 30 minutes to go all the way around. I mean, it's up to you. So, um, But you do get to see a lot of cool things. Um, big Ben, I put this up because it's famous. Um, it is quite big, and it is quite long. Um, but it's a beautiful building. I couldn't go in there uh, when I went because there was a lot of construction going on. I really wish I could have, and I actually don't know if you can, but um, it's just really, really pretty, and it's actually quite amazing to see in person. Um, Buckingham Palace, this is where the queen lives when the flag is up, that means she's home. Um, like you can see, every single morning, people are just lined up. Um, you cannot go inside, obviously, for very obvious reasons. Um, but it's just really cool to see, and also they have changing of the guards, which I'll go over in the next slide. Changing of the guards. This is a ceremony. It takes an hour and a half <laughs> for the guards to literally just change places. Um, there's music. There's a parade. I mean, it's like they go all out. Um, but it happens every single morning, and it's, this has been going on for forever. So it's really cool to see, but it is a really long process just to change guards. Um, this is a Bennett home from Pride and Prejudice for those of you who love the movie. You can't go inside the house, but there is a museum that's connected to the house and the gardens that you can go see. And it's really cool because you get to see like, the costumes they use and how they made the movie and things like that. Um, and I was actually able to stand where Mr. Bingley was trying to propose or practicing to propose. That was fun. Um, these are the gardens. This is in the backyard of the Bennett home. I put this picture up because I love it, and also just throughout England there's tons of gardens. So you know, really anywhere you go, you'll find a garden just to just go there and have fun. Um, it's just so much fun and beautiful. Um, so I just definitely um, advise you to go to any garden you see. Um, this is King's College Chapel. This is one of the many chapels that um, England has. You can't take pictures inside because kings and queens are buried there. Um, but um, 
I did go to a sun or a a church service, which was really interesting, um, but definitely invite you to do that. This is the city of Ray, also known as the city of mermaids, because it is by the coast. Um, it's just a day where you don't really feel like going to cathedrals and all these things. You just want to shop and have a good time. And also, you can get really, really good fishing trips here, because again, it's by the sea. So, I definitely go here. Um, and this is Heber Castle. This is where Anne Boleyn grew up. You can actually go inside the castle. Again, you can't take pictures, but you get to see her rooms. You get to see the clothes she wore. You get to kind of figure out the history and or learn about the history because of food and all that stuff. It's really, really pretty. Um, quite dark inside, um, but I still like it. This is Warwick Castle. It's kind of like the Six Flags in England. It's really more for kids. Um, you can buy shields and swords and go in dungeons and... I know you learn about all the types of torture they used to do, and you can climb up um, on the very top of the castle where this picture is being taken and get turkey legs and um, stuff, you know. This is Trinity College. Um, we went here because my sister who went with me at the time was going to Trinity University in San Antonio, and so we wanted to compare the universities. Beautiful university. Um, it's in London, so you're right by, like, all types of markets and stuff. Um, but very different from UNT. So, this is a courtyard in Trinity College. Um, Chariots of Fire. The reason why we have this um, in Chariots of Fire, where he's running around the courtyard, this is the courtyard that he did that. So, I was able to do that. Um, it's not as big as you think. And um, it was just fun because it's a movie, so why not? And we were there already. And speaking of movies, we visited Platform 9 quarters um, <laughs> at King's Cross Station. This station is so intense, and we use it for everywhere. We went to Scotland one time, or one of the days, and we used King's Cross Station to go there. So just buy a pass, and you'll be so happy that you did, because you use it all the time. So, yeah. And um, this is Shakespeare Globe Theater. We went to a museum that's connected to the theater, and then we went to the, into the theater. It's a lot smaller than you think. The seats are super uncomfortable, um, but it's really cool. Like, it's a beautiful theater, and they're actually about to put on a play. So we didn't see the play, but you're cool to see that. And this is St. Paul's Cathedral. You're not allowed to take pictures. But I was able to take one, and it's not that good. <laughs> but um, this is one of the most beautiful cathedrals I have ever seen in my life. Um, you can climb up to the very, very top of it and look out into the city. Gorgeous. Um, just go there and sit, and you'll just be like, man, I really want one of these. <laughs> so this is um, Kingsington Palace. It's designed by Princess Diana's house. Um, it's one of her gardens, and um, in the garden there are little... I guess memorials of like childhood stories is Peter Pan. Um, there are others I, I forgot, but um, I really like this one just because it's Peter Pan. And this is Stonehenge. Okay, here's the deal. So it takes forever to get here, and the only reason why we went was because of history. It's fun to learn the history of it, but in the reality, it's like it's rocks and <laughs> it's really small. So. They have good chocolate, but I don't know. I It's kind of up in the air. If you like history, go here. And then also Roman baths. I loved baths. I loved it. Um, but anyway, this is really famous. This is where they took baths and were cleansed and all this stuff. I come to see the ruins, and this is my work side page. So that's it. Okay. Um, any questions? Oh, yeah. Any questions? This is a great time.
Yeah, it was nice. Like, travel. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a two-week. I try, every place I go to, I try to go for at least two weeks, just because it's England. Come on. Where is that? Wait, where is Stonehenge? Stonehenge? Oh, I can't remember that. I thought it was in London. I thought it was in Scotland. Yeah, sorry, I mixed it. Um, we took a train from King's Station to go to Scotland. Yeah, sorry, I didn't really mean that. It's not the same island. It's not in Ireland. Right. It's it's in, I think it's Edinburgh. Yeah, because we went to Edinburgh. But it's not like on an island or something. No, it's just. I have some memories. Well, I mean, I guess England is an island. There's like a there's like a fence around the Stonehenge, and they're like cows on the other side. So it's like really like okay, that's cool. But I mean, it's Stonehenge. Yeah. So I didn't make that clear. I'm sorry. It's actually in Scotland, but still, if you like it, you can go to it. So. Okay. Yeah. Do I delete it or? Uh, I'll take care of that. I'll okay. Great. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for leading off. Um, Please go ahead and take a minute or two if you haven't already and submit your form uh, to give some feedback to Liz. When you submit your form, it's going to provide you with a link to fill out a new form. So that's the neat thing about Google Forms now that you can have a link and that way if you just want to keep that page up. um, So you can do a different form for each person. I'm so excited to get to do this. Back in, like, five years ago, it was the first time I taught an undergraduate and graduate class. And when we did video presentations, I actually had everyone over to my house. And unfortunately, I don't live here, so we can't do that. But I wanted to do this. I wanted a way for everybody to provide feedback and didn't have a way to do that. So I'm quite excited to, to have that option now. So who would like to go next? Okay, and this is Kindle, right? Yeah. All right. Looks like you're all squared away. And actually, if you want, um, in, as just kind of a shortcut, instead of going up the slideshow, you can press F5, and that's a keyboard shortcut on PowerPoint that gets you into presentation mode. So, now be ready. Hit F5. Um, I'm going to talk about my mission trip to Peru, and I went. Um, for the second time this past June, but the first time I went was in 2009, and there's probably dates on some of these pictures, and I'm really sorry, but my camera was freaking out, and I didn't know what to do. Um, so I went in 2009, and we um, this is the church that my church from back home built, and um, to get to go, I had to raise a ton of money, and it was really stressful, but I ended up getting the money on time, just in the nick of time to go. And so it was definitely a God thing that I got to go. And um, it was it was such a great experience that I'm so glad that it came through. And um, when we left, we left um, on a Friday afternoon. And we went to um, Houston Airport so we could fly out of the international airport there. And it was, you see people waving to us. And um, it's because there are a lot of parents. And it was because there were a lot of youth kids there. So once we got to Houston, we got on the Continental flight, and it was a really long flight. And um, we got on about nine in the morning, no, twelve in the, 12 in the afternoon. And um, it, we didn't get to Peru until um, four o'clock in the morning. And this is on top of the roof at the church we stayed at that you just saw the first picture. Um, it's on top and you can see over um, Peru right now and as you can tell it's not the nicest nicest place on earth but um, it has my heart and um, in the background you can see the Andes Mountains and actually on the first day we went up onto this hill 
and you could see the Pacific Ocean on one side, and then you could see the Andes Mountains on the other side, and it was a time when I wish I really had a Cybershot camera so I could just go like this, and I could see it, because it was, it was so pretty. And um, after we went to there, we went to this really nice place and played soccer, because we always play soccer against the Peruvians, and we always lose. It never fails. And <laughs> they're just really good. And we tried really hard, but this is one of the only places that has real grass. You will not see real grass anywhere, so it was really cool to see that. And um, then on Sunday, we went to church, and their church service is really weird. But they have Sunday school in the morning, but then they go home. And then in the afternoon, you get together with your church then um, at around 3 or 4 o'clock. And then um, you go and meet up to the church that you saw in the, in the first picture, the main church campus. Um, during the weeks we worked, and this is a medical clinic, and I really didn't have pictures of people handing medicine to people, so these are people who worked in the, medicine, the medical clinic. And um, there were a lot of patients who came in, um, and it was really cool to see the need that they, um, they needed. And uh, we also had an optical clinic, and you had to be really careful to um, not, because some people would come in and be like, I want glasses, but I just want them for my looks. And so you had to be really careful to not give them to people who, um, who didn't need them, but you had to give them to the people who really did need them. And most of the time, people really didn't need them, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, we also had a dental clinic, and as you can see, um, we're cleaning his teeth. We pulled teeth, and um, it was really, it was kind of painful for me. I wasn't even getting it done, but it was really hard to see them. Um, and we also cleaned teeth. That's mainly what the students did. And um, we used this fluoride that we brought. And we also had a construction team, and we actually built a church while we were there in um, Chincha Baja. And it was really cool because when I went back this past year, it was finished. And it was really cool to see what had been done and that we helped with that. Um, we also taught English. And in the morning, I taught English. And then in the afternoon, I um, worked in the dental or in any clinic that really needed it. And so um, it was really fun because this church or this school is run by the people who um, are the pastor of the church um, that's right next to it. And it was so fun. We played soccer with them on their free days or their free time. And we also did vacation Bible school after all the clinics were done at around 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And this is where people, um, just the kids came and they did crafts and whatever else. We sang songs. It was kind of like a church service that they had there, but um, it wasn't really, um, it was more vacation Bible schoolish. And this is a um, town in Peru. And as you can see, those are the Andes Mountains right there. But right here, it's, it's really pretty back there, but then you look at this neighborhood, and this is one of the poorest neighborhoods in Peru. And it was, it broke my heart, but it was really pretty. Um, this, on the last night, we had a fiesta. They threw a fiesta for us, and they had tons of food. They had guinea pig there, and they had tons. They love Chinese food. Their Chinese food is so good, surprisingly. And um, they danced for us. We had a big dance party. They're really good dancers, by the way, and um, it was a lot of fun. Um, this is where we slept. We slept inside the church, and it was really cold, so we had to have a lot of blankets because down there, we were down there in the summer, and it was their winter. And so it was really cold. And it's only at really at night. It wasn't as cold during the day. Uh, but 
a rooster would crow and wake us up every morning, and I hated it. Uh, and this is the food. It looks really nasty. I'm sorry, but this is the food. <laughs> and um, I didn't like it that much, but there's a lot of people who do like it, and so I don't, I'm just really sorry if that looks nasty. <laughs> Um, but it's chicken and rice, and that's mainly what you have every day. And I did not like it very much, so I took my snacks with me. Um, this is in Lima, the last day before we went home. We went to Lima, and we went shopping, and we went and saw this cathedral. And um, I really enjoyed Lima, but once I had been in um, Chincha for a little bit, Chincha is three hours south of Lima. And so once I had been there, it was really hard to go back and leave that place. Um, and then this is the group that went. And when we came back, we got back at, um, I think, it like 3 o'clock in the morning, I want to say. But this is the picture before we went, so that's why we look normal. And, um, but needless to say, it was a really, really fun trip. And I am so blessed that I got to go. Well, yeah, just take hands and for a second. Well, I didn't know. What questions are coming? I didn't know. Okay. Questions are coming? How long were you there for? I was there for a week, and then this pastor was there for a week and a half. It was fun. Um, were you, did you feel safe when you were there? As far as um, I was really scared. I think my mom was more scared than I was, but, um, I I felt semi-safe. There was actually one, the night that we had the fiesta, there was actually a gunshot. Like, someone had been killed, like, not that far away from where we were, so they had to put us inside the church. The people of Peru, they care for us a lot. When we come to them, they care for Americans that come and, like, help them out. And so they take care of us really well, and they make sure that we're safe, that nothing is going to happen to us. So it's really good, and we traveled in groups, and so we weren't really out that late at night. We did go to a square, and I would get scared sometimes, like this past year, we went out onto the square to get ice cream, and our ice creams were really good, and um, we, there was like this parade going on, but then I thought it was something else, because I heard like a car backfire, and I freaked out. I was like, no, I don't want to die, <laughs> so then, but it's, it's safe, and they make sure you're safe, so it's not bad. Please take a minute or so. Get your comments in there for Kindle. Is the form working okay for everybody? Has anybody gotten an error? All right. We have Natsanet and Danielle. All right. And you're going to do Inspire Model, so this is 10 seconds each, right? Yeah, I talk really fast, so I was definitely afraid of the 20. Okay, <laughs> just uh, hit F5, and this is Danielle. Okay. All right, well, I did graduate in high school. What's next? I've dedicated my project to my little sister because she's a senior in high school. She doesn't really know what she wants to do in college, so she just wants to really major in photogenism, so I figured I'd help her out. So congratulations, she graduated. Um, do you want to take a year off? Do you want to work? go to college or become part of a group on campus. And then, of course, being in college is just another day in paradise. It's so much easier than high school. That's why so many high school students are ready to get out of there. The truth is, college is actually work. In college, it's easy to, um, to get lost. There's just way too many people out there. And um, that's why I suggested for her to join an organization here at UNC. Um, I recommend her to go through formal recruitment go through and rush a sorority. 
is a way to have an immediate group of friends and you can get involved with other organizations. So it's like first step. But then again, all Greeks do is party and they get super wasted on the weekends and they just like the movies and the media and um, that actually is all false. Okay, so these letters above, they're all Greek to me at first. I didn't know what they meant. And after getting to know the other organizations on campus, you get a better understanding for what they actually represent. Um, how do you get to know that? Um, because you get to work with the other groups and participate with their philanthropies and the community services offered on campus and their events throughout the whole year. Um, as far as becoming a Greek, you need to also think about becoming a scholar because it's more important because actually you're initially here to get an education. So a lot of them require GPA requirements and study hours. As far as being a group, you have leadership positions. I've been the panelized delegate, the house chairman, and I'm training to be the treasurer for my sorority for all of next year. As far as athletics go, there's not, they're not over after high school. You have intramural sports, and then you have the opportunity to participate in Greek week or homecoming at the bonfire and do stuff. As far as fraternities go, they display different acts of motherhood um, not long after graduation. These men can potentially be the ones that help you find a career. I feel that not only do I have friends in my sorority, but they're my second family. I'm not from around here, so I just can't go up the road to visit my family. And I know these girls will be at my wedding and many more events in the future. As far as the founders go, fraternities, they worked hard to provide the values and traditions, and they want to be carried out through their legacies and what they strive for the future of the chapter. As um, Greeks aren't allowed to throw parties and plan events just because they want to, they actually have to get it approved by Pentelenic and Nationals prior to holding the events in or out of this facility. A paint war pictured above is um, Greeks with other activities going on. Um, this is an opportunity to have fun, but then you get to know the other organizations on campus. Through Panhellenic, sororities and fraternities are randomly assigned to each other throughout the year, so that way it's fair and then it also serves as a networking tool. As far as um, an example, Greek Week and Homecoming, we nominate the leaders um, to be in charge of the events taking place for the week, and they meet, plan, collaborate ideas far in advance. This is a picture of a mixer, their day party is formal. Um, pictured above is a mixer at a bar. Underage and pre-drinking are not tolerated, so once you are at the bar and you're of age, you can actually drink. And finally, networking is the most important aspect, I think, is because no matter where you are or what state you go to, you can contact an alumni in your fraternity in that area, and you'll never be alone. And those are my questions. Yeah, you can't leave yet. We have to. Sorry. If anybody's got any questions. Do you have any questions, questions? about it? It was kind of fast because I did the 10 second one. Okay. Right. Did you become a particular. Uh, sorority because of relatives that did that? Or no, my sister actually rushed, um, she went through Rush and it's a four day process. She made it the third day and got cut with 700 girls at the University of Arkansas. It's really competitive. Here it's a breeze. I mean, most people that go through actually get something. And um, she and her roommate, um, her roommate's in the sorority that's not offered here on campus. And so they helped me because really it's all great to me. I didn't know what to do. I thought it was like movies and it's not. And um, actually, I thought. How is it different than um, well, like, you know, like, the TV show Greek. Like, there's not nearly as much drama as that. And the multiple letters and everything that goes on in there. There's a lot more tame. Yeah. Than yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And some of the things that go on, you're like, we don't even do stuff like that. That's not allowed on campus. Like, there's different regulations and bylaws that you have to stand on. And it's just surreal. I mean, it's fun to watch it because you're like, oh, that's not exactly what's on campus. 
but um, they helped me go through that process and throughout the whole rush experience. There's there's only seven offer on campus now. There's eight sororities that I went through, but um, there's two I liked throughout the whole week. And at the end of the week, my sister's like, "Those are both good names. Just go with what you want." But it's really hard because you like a certain story, but you don't know if they like you back. It's kind of a weird like voting system. And so her roommate was telling me, "Go with the sorority you feel comfortable with." But I didn't know if they liked me. And then my sister saying, go with the one that you know likes you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a game. It's catch-22. You don't know what to do. But um, I know that since I'm from Houston, um, I would have probably transferred home because I lived at tradition. So there wasn't a lot of things going on. I had 22 mandatory study hours. So I would have been very lonely if I didn't have that immediate group of friends right. going into college. So highly recommend it for my sister. But again, she's very... How many of you have been a part of a sorority? Yeah. So, is this like, is like, is that 25% or 50% or how many? Um, they say, camp, 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 camp. they said out of the people graduating, like 75% of them are actually Greek, or they actually work in government. Hmm. And um, it also teaches you time management, and you also have to have like certain grade requirements. So it isn't just fun and games, you actually have to maintain a certain GPA to stay in that grade. Any other questions or comments? Questions Yes. Danielle. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only like Houston Texans fan probably here. All right, good job. Take a minute and you finish up your comments for Danielle. And that's our last one. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. No. All right. Just hit F5. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Everyone ready? Go for it. Today I'll be talking about the importance of PI, and the acronym PI stands for Parent Involvement in Education, and um, parents involved in child learning and development encourages positive behavior and academic success. As teacher teachers, it is important for us to um, grab our um, parents' attentions and get them involved. A child's first learning experiences are acquired before they are enrolled in school. Learning is first established in the home. Um, Socialization is one of the main influences on a child's perception, development, and learning. It is important for families to provide an important, loving, and caring environment because children start to explore the world at a young age. Um, Parents can encourage great behavior by being role models and um, use parenting styles like authoritative parenting, uh, which helps the child um, talk things out and make rational decisions. Um, A home environment that encourages learning is critical in academic success. And uh, if parents do not support learning and if we do not have uh, them instilling the value of education, we're missing an important piece of the puzzle of development. Uh, Some parents have a fear of helping out in the classroom and are not comfortable with the idea of being the second teacher in the classroom to their own child and to other students. So, uh, and some parents may not be familiar with volunteering and may be confused about what they are required to do and how they can participate. Um, As teachers, it is our responsibility to make them feel welcome in the classroom. 
It would also be a good idea to invite parents to be involved early on in the school year. Um, ways we can do this is by open house and showing them different ways and suggestions that they can help in the classroom. Um, you're going to have a lot of different types of cultures and ethnicities in your classroom, and it's important to get those parents or non-English speaker parents involved too. A way you can do this is by asking your students to collect an artifact from their home that describes their culture, and you can have them bring it to show and tell. And sadly, some parents do not show much interest, often say that they don't have the time or energy. And ways that you can get them involved is uh, ask them to, like those parents that have access to internet, locate material related to class studies or research for the assignment. Uh, some parents might uh, not know where to start, so they may feel overwhelmed or stressed out about helping out. Uh, you can, um, give them suggestions like reading a lot at home, sending home questionnaires, or ask them to do uh, parent-child interviews. A way I can get the community involved is in learning is say the students learn about recycling. I will have them do a poster about all the things <coughs> that can be recycled and maybe post them in the neighborhood. Uh, a lot of people may not realize the influence that fathers have on learning. Involving fathers in schools has proven uh, to be valuable for a child academically and socially. Children that do not have involved fathers are more likely to have behavior and emotional problems, lower test scores, and they are also more likely to drop out of school. Um, if there are absent fathers in the home, their father substitutes are also welcome, which could be brothers, uncles, grandfathers, or even a family friend. Fathers in the classroom can provide positive role models, male role models in a study that often lacks them. Um, the key to parent involvement is building a partnership between the parents and teachers. We have to work as a team. Um, uh, a great way to build a relationship is by constant communication, like phone calls, emails, take-home notes, basically sharing moments that are experienced in the classroom. Uh, targeted goal setting is a very valuable way that parents can be involved in their child's learning. Um, help the child set goals for themselves, like asking some questions like, uh, what do you hope to learn this year? What do you hope to improve on? And that can go a long way in promoting responsibilities and making sure that you have to make sure that their goals are specific and uh, realistic. Uh, establishing routines in the homes is a great way to have the child get used to practicing and applying what they learned in school outside of the classroom. I would suggest that parents uh, give the students a, a break when they come home from school because after going to school and then more school at home can be very stressful and that's unnecessary. Um, uh, sending home newsletters, uh, keeping the parents informed about events that are coming up maybe every week or every other week um, is a good way to keep that communication going. Uh, asking parents for their feedback, opinions, and suggestions on certain activities, maybe a two or three sentence about what they thought about the homework and uh, a sign signature after that. Uh, it shows that you value their opinions and may take in consideration uh, their suggestions. Um, another way parents can help is to provide their children with a good breakfast, 
getting them to school on time, and avoiding unnecessary absences. This may seem simple, but it's also very necessary. These few things can help their cho uh, the children get off to a stress-free start. Um, positive reinforcements goes a long way to motivate and encourage people to keep uh, good work going. As teachers, it's also important to give your parent volunteers the recognition they deserve by letting them know that they're appreciated and respected. We have to remember that parents actively involve uh, in their children's education are sharing the three times to support not only their children, but also to support uh, the teachers as well. Um, teachers also need to instill the value of a true, uh, of a great education in each of their students. We need to let our students know that with a great education comes more opportunities and endless possibilities. I just uh, I learned in a lot of my classes that how important it's to integrate parent and teacher relationships, and I know that the students benefit from that. Oh no, to take a like 30 minute break, snack break, and then uh, start on homework and different routines. Okay. Because if they're just going to straight doing schoolwork, they're... Because that's when we get home, the minute he walks through the door, I give him a snack, but as he starts eating his snack, he starts Yeah, because some students may feel like low on energy and just need that time to just like relax, recuperate. Have a downtime. Yeah, have a downtime. I thought the downtime was in the car ride home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like all kinds of parenting things, there's lots of suggestions that people are going to take different approaches. No, it's interesting. Yeah. So, I never thought about that because yeah. all I was thinking is, you know, play time until I get to work right. done. But, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, he's been at work all day. So, yeah. You know. mm -hmm. Okay, good job. All right, well, I will share the feedback forms with you, and um, I, now let's talk a little bit about the Moodle, because that is how all the confidential stuff for our class is going is shared through the Moodle, and um, we want to make sure that everybody has been able to log in and, uh, and get to that. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, Overall, for our syllabus, one of my goals this semester is to, is to basically front load the class so that your work is going to be done before the end of the semester. Most classes, you have a lot of stuff at the end of the semester. You'll have tests to study for, lots of work. So my goal is for us to get our projects done as we go along, give you time to get them completed. But I hope that the end of the semester is no big deal um, as far as uh, the exam. Monday, I'm going to, I'll, by Monday, I will have um, all the, the possible questions that will be on our first exam. And my philosophy on that is not to have a gotcha, surprise, you know, kind of thing. I'm much more about learning to use these tools and creating stuff and, and getting the experience creating them. But the, that exam will be in Moodle, and hopefully nobody will even want to take the, the final. Uh, if you're good with your first two exam scores, then you won't even have to um, take the last one. But if you want to, you can, because it's the best two out of three. But anyway, we've, we've kind of skipped in order. We did digital storytelling before GeoMaps. So we're going to do, um, I'll introduce GeoMaps next week. Uh, but digital storytelling is, is really our, um, our third project. And so that's just kind of a philosophy thing where I'm going to try to get our projects done, you know, 
before the end of the semester. So hopefully this class won't won't be a lot of stress for you as far as needing to get lots of things finished at the end. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Moodle. Uh, raise your hand if you've been able to log in to Moodle. Have you been able to do that? Okay. So uh, it, it, does anybody need some help in getting logged in and being able to, to get to our course? If you do, go ahead and chat with me um, after class. And um, you can also send me an email and we'll uh, figure out what we need to do to get you in there. Um, you can't get out of the edit mode? Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, or Danielle was... I think that email comes to your school email. Oh. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, you should use your EUID and... Um, Use your official EagleNet um, email. The blog that we set up was, is a separate site that's not maintained by the university, and that's why we were able to use whatever. Um, that's why we were able to use whatever web uh, email address that we wanted. When you're here, there's a link that says all courses. And it's kind of nice that we're the first section. We're section 1001 of LTEC 4100. So the first time you click on it, I'll, I'll do another one that I haven't done before. The first time you click it, it says you're about to enroll yourself in this class. You want to do that? And you say yes. So after you've done that, then this course is going to appear for you on the home page. I've actually joined two classes. I'm in our section, and then I'm in this uh, middle school student's uh, saving the world because I'm helping with it. I'm doing some video podcasts for them. So I'm in, in that one too. But that way you can, you can get to our class. I'm going to go ahead and switch this to uh, show what, what you should see. And I apologize if you got in here earlier and were confused and you may have panicked and you saw all this stuff and you didn't know what it was. <clears throat> I had them duplicate another instructor's course and I had not cleaned it up. So that was because I couldn't log in until they you know, actually got me my UID. I couldn't get in there. So <clears throat> what we have now in this Moodle is basically a copy of what we have in, on our other website. The main way we'll use the Moodle, I'm going to have to make copies of the stuff that's on that other site so that UNT has it archived uh, as far as what we've done and what our class has been. But we're going to use this for the confidential stuff. So your grade for your Pecha Kucha assignment, um, I will, you will have it here in, uh, in the Moodle. And so when you go over and click on your grades, um, actually I'm going to delete these because this is like stuff that I, I haven't deleted this yet, so I still need to clean that up. But over in grades, it's going to show you um, your assignments, and we will next week have um, a quiz that is going to just ask for links to some of your weekly posts. So if you've been keeping up with your weekly posts, you should be fine. Um, but that's going to be, uh, I'll, I'll do that several times in the semester just to um, make sure that you, you're keeping up with your weekly posts and I'll, you know, in some cases give you comments and things like, like that on that. But that's what Monday we'll just have a quiz that I will activate on Moodle. And um, we will probably even take some time in class to take a look at that and see how that works. So if we've got like five posts that we, are, that we need that you should have done by now, it'll probably just ask you for three of them, and it's going to ask you for the link 
to that. So make sure that you um, can get into Moodle before next week. And if you're behind on some of those posts, um, go ahead and get caught up uh, you know, this weekend so that you'll, you'll have those posts that will be on your blog. And I'll have the questions for the exam um, in there next time. Any questions about the Moodle? Did you get in? Was it a scary? Okay. All right. Last thing we'll talk about in our final five minutes is let's talk a little bit about our assignments here at the end, uh, which are two things. You don't have a reading assignment but you've got the Make an Avatar and the VoiceThread Part 2. How many of you have made an avatar of some kind before on some website? So, just one, just Liz. Um, you've done that before? You can, yeah. Or like Wii, if you play the Wii, you have to make an avatar there, a meme, right? So, there's lots of places where you can do this. Um, <clears throat> this one I used is kind of fun. It's called Build Your Wild Self, and it's from the... Uh, Wildlife Conservation Society. Um, this is neat because there's no need to, you know, log in or create an account or anything like that. I'll do a girl now. So you uh, choose your options over here on the side, and there's a, a sidebar slider. And there's just, you know, all these different things that you can adjust. You know, and it starts to get fun when you come here and you can do some animal stuff. You can do different arms. There's sound effects. Definitely have to have a mouse of some kind. All right, so um, th that's just one example of a site. When you're done, you say send a friend. And what I, what I did was I just emailed it to myself and then, bless you, I used a site called uh, Picnic, which I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but it, it just is an online photo editor, so I cropped it with that. You don't have to use that particular site. That's just one example. On this page, I've got a link for the assignment steps to use the website that Joyce Valenza has provided. And she's got all these different sites that you can use to create an avatar. And so um, what I want you to do is create one, post it on your blog, and then write a little bit about, you know, that particular site. Um, and remember to comment on your blog buddy's post. So you should get at least one comment on each of your posts, and you need to be checking, checking with your blog buddy to um, make sure you're, you're commenting on them. Um, the last thing is our voice thread, part two assignment. And uh, most of you posted, um, took a look at one of the voice thread examples from great book stories. How many of you did an elementary one or somebody you thought was an elementary kid? How many of you did somebody that was like an adult, another college student? Okay, because there was a real mix. Anybody have, anybody in between you thought was high school? Um, I want you to create a voice thread that includes at least five pictures. And you've got uh, a little over two weeks to do this. So this particular assignment is not due till Sunday, October the 17th. Um, I'd like for you to use an avatar that you create on your VoiceThread site. And I've got the specifics for, um, for the VoiceThread assignment, which is basically to take uh, your pictures, um, record audio, and, um, 
and, and then share that on your blog just like you embedded and linked to the example one that you saw. Yeah, you can really pick your topic. If you want a topic, I mean, you can take the Great Bookstores Project and take a book and do a review. It doesn't have to be a kid's book. Um, it can be anything, and, but at least five pictures. And I want you to get the experience of using the tool. Um, the big thing that we don't have here in class, and I will inquire about, but uh, we don't have microphones that are here. Most laptops today will have a built-in microphone. You can borrow a microphone. Uh, does anybody know if the lab over here has them? I don't think they do. And so if you really have difficulty um, with a microphone, I will inquire and, um, and see. But basically, just if you, can, if you can just borrow one from somebody, I mean, they cost about $10 if you buy one. And I hope you don't have to you know, go out and buy one. But let me know, um, you know if, you, if you need to. Uh, it might be that I could um, loan you one like on a Monday and get it back from you on a Wednesday. Um, I have a bunch of them. The one site that I want to point out to you that I have linked here is called VoiceThread for Education. This is an incredible wiki that teachers all over the world have put together. And let's say you're a grade four teacher. You can go into grades three through five, and here are example voice threads made by students in those grade levels about all kinds of different things. So this is uh, organized by grade level, and then you also have um, you know, special ed, college, library examples, um, lots of different resources. And this is called the Voice Thread and Education Wiki. So digital storytelling, we're going to be talking more about. There's all kinds of possibilities for what you can do uh, with it. I have a link on here. Uh, maybe not. Um, on our Voice Thread page to the, the uh, Talk With Media site. This is just the site that I built when we were in Shanghai that gives you examples of different kinds of uh, digital stories and the idea of a narrated slideshow is, um, you know, that's what we're doing for our Pachacucho assignment. So on our Moodle, we've got a link to my email. Several of you have emailed me. That's great. Um, good way to ask questions and things. Um, have a wonderful weekend. And we'll see everybody next week. If you got questions, hang out and I'll... Be glad to try to answer them and help you out. Yes.